Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Live's week one post-game show, Falcons vs. Panthers. The Falcons have done it. They snapped their season-opening losing streak. They snapped their perennial losing record streak. They have won their week one game against the Panthers by a fairly lopsided score of 24 to 10. It didn't really feel like that through much of the game. It was really ugly in the first half. The second half, slightly less ugly, but the defense really did just sort of come together. They started to really shut down the Panthers, who you could tell started to feel the pressure once the Falcons got a little bit of a lead. So uh, excited to see that. Obviously, I'm Kevin Knight. I have Falcoholic Kevin. I am joined, of course, by my co-host uh, for these post-game shows, Alan Sturk. He is at Alan Sturk on Twitter. Alan, how we doing? Uh, I'm kind of thrilled, kind of like, wow, that was kind of underwhelming. But nevertheless, we've been waiting six years for this. The Falcons have a winning record. Bijan Robson, oh my goodness, what a man. And hey, we I feel like we were the biggest proponents of the Jesse Bates signing. So today overall is a good day. Well, hey, yeah. we, were, we were the biggest proponents of the Bijan Robinson drafting too. <laughs> hey, we'll take that too. And those yeah. are easily the two best players on the field today. Yeah, Algier needs his flowers too. Because uh, that, yeah, that man yeah. was... That, Tyler Algier. The run game, like the two running backs, uh, which we try to tell you guys, they weren't just going to shelf Tyler Algier. Uh, but uh, probably fantasy managers are a little bit frustrated with how the carries were distributed. But look, Algiers good, so they're going to get him on the field. Um, so yeah, Adnan, welcome as well. He's at Say Which Way, guys. Uh, welcome in to the first post game show. Uh, before we take off here, do want to bring you a message from our sponsor today, BetOnline.ag, your number one source for all your sports wagering info. Football is back with all the up to minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real time real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from Week One all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action and remember to use our promo code believe that's b l e a v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts and hey you know i i would not necessarily recommend the, the falcons passing props from now on probably lay off the falcons passing game props uh for the foreseeable future but um hey if you We'll check in on how my prize picks did a little bit later in the show. But if you had taken my advice there, you would have won that. Well, I mean, assuming that Dak Prescott throws for more than a half yard tonight, you would cash that as well. So we'll check on that a little bit later in the show for now. Let's get to the Falcons takes. Yeah. Uh, Alan, inaugural postgame show. Happy to have you here for this series this year. Uh, let's let's start with you. Biggest takeaway from this game. Put you on the spot. Go. Things might be rugged, but I think the biggest appreciation you got out of this game is that at least the Falcons, for all their issues, maybe in the trenches, particularly killed McGarry, they did wear down Carolina, and we saw them really impose their will both offensively and defensively. Uh, big credit to Ryan Nielsen. I love some of the blitzes at the end of the game. We wanted to see Troy Anderson utilize that. You know, just all the tangibles he has. I don't think he just has the speed. I think he has a legit athlete, and you saw him multiple times create those sacks how they were utilizing whether it was blitzing through the A-gap or using Montquist to the outside. So 
overall, at least they wore him down. I know his Carolina team is rebuilding and the receiving corpse is atrocious, but I just like the fact that the Falcons, after really struggling the first half, playing some just nasty football, second half they really imposed their will and they broke them down. And you know, it's, it's, it's not always going to be pretty this season. I think it's pretty apparent, but at least they have good components where you know they're going to wear teams out and get the wins however necessary it may be. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, they do want to grind teams down, um, and they did that successfully in this. The The running game never really took over, but they did have the big plays on the ground, and that sort of kept things going. But they were opportunistic. They took advantage of a lot of mistakes by Carolina. Those aren't always going to be there. Like, those are not always going to come. Obviously, Jesse Bates, uh, I don't want to steal Adnan's thunder if he was going to go that direction. But, you know, the Falcons... Look, they, they got the turnovers they needed to win this game, and they succeeded in doing ju- in doing enough. I mean, it was a 14-point win, which I think is bigger than any win they had last year, maybe. Um, so a double-digit win, so technically. But Adnan, I'll, I'll go to you next with this one. What, what's your biggest takeaway from this game? My biggest takeaway is at least one game in, they're exactly who we thought they were. Like, regarding the, the way that this team is built, the way that this team operates, what we saw out of them – I feel like it's exactly what, you know, we all and the fan base predicted it was going to be like most of the fan base. One, Bijan Robinson is otherworldly. Like when Bijan Robinson is out there, it every time he had the ball, like some of those plays, it looks like he was moving at a different speed than, than the other guys out there, than the defenders out there. Like, and that's insane for a rookie playing his first game. Like that first touchdown that he had. Like, there was no, like, he had no business scoring that that touchdown. He caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage, immediately should have gotten hit for a tackle for a loss, and he puts down one of the most insane cuts that I've ever seen. Gets by the defender, into the end zone, touchdown, makes something out of literally nothing. Makes something out of what should have been negative play. Jesse Bates is a legit like what we knew that coming in. Well, there's a reason why we spent all that money on him. And I mean, I think Jesse Bates won the game today with his interceptions. Like that first pick set up a short field, set up a Falcons touchdown. And then the second pick, you know, it's when you really needed it to really stop Carolina's momentum and to really flip the game on its head a little bit. Um, The team won off of its, you know, off of its run game. The team won off of its amazing defense. The defense had what, 10 Gave, gave up 10 points and pretty much set up 17 because three of the scores, 17 points came off, off turnovers. Uh, they they dropped Miles Sanders for a fumble, uh, which was a great play. It was recovered by Lorenzo Carter. Forced by and Jesse Bates, my I add. Shout yes. out, shout out, shout out. Uh, Troy Anderson got a very opportune sack on third down and long, you know, to stop a Carolina drive. The passing offense fucking sucked. And I'm talking about that, like, overall. Um, the offensive line was awful in pass protection. Desmond Ritter didn't look good, even when he wasn't get, being chased down. But they did they did just enough to not lose the game. So, that like, there were no turnovers on offense. Um, and, you know, it, it was one of those where the passing offense didn't help, like, the team much at all. Uh, there were a couple of really nice plays toward the end to set up that last uh, touchdown, which, I mean, the passes weren't great, it was, but they were amazing plays by Matt Collins and Kyle Pitts. 
And but, you know, other than that, like at the very least, you can say that there were no turnovers on offense. This team was propelled. It was will to victory by the defense, by by the amazing running backs. Shout out to Tyler Algier to two touchdowns. That first touchdown was absolutely just like him being relentless, not wanting to go down. And, you know, against better teams, you need you need more from the passing attack. You definitely need a lot more. It was just very fortunate that Carolina wasn't isn't a very good team but I mean I said it all before before the show started beggars can't be choosers this is Atlanta's first uh first uh season opener win uh since 2017 this is the first time the Falcons have been above 500 in 2079 days and I I go back to Christmas Eve uh in 2017 because that's when the Falcons beat the Panthers to go to 10 and six in the regular season uh since then because uh, the day after that you know records like get scrapped for the playoffs the falcons have not been above 500 at any point in over 2000 days and it just feels really good to get that monkey off your back uh and you know there's there was some good stuff there was some bad stuff but the bad stuff is a lot a lot easier to swallow when you come out of it with the win yeah, and and that's that's the key takeaway is like it was ugly as hell. Like nobody's discounting that. I mean, the offensive performance was way off of what we were expecting and what you guys should be expecting from the quarterback, from the pass protection. I mean, from the pass catchers. I mean, Pitts probably. I mean, Pitts got robbed of that twenty-five yard catch that was nice earlier in the game. He was really the only pass catcher, other than Mac Hollins, wide receiver one. Mac Hollins put some respect on that man's name, but. Uh, really the only guy other than Matt Collins that was, that was able to, to get open. Drake London was just completely vanished in this one. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, and we, we talked about it, a lot of it has to do with the pass protection, particularly in the first half where it was just, I mean, abysmal. Like Caleb McGarry wasn't even touching Brian Burns half the time. I mean, that is completely unacceptable for a guy that you just paid over $10 million a year to, to be that egregiously bad against anyone. I mean, I don't care how good you are. Like, um, so McGarry definitely is going to need to uh, step that up. That is completely unacceptable. But let's let's keep it positive first. Um, and I think the one of the big takeaways is the play of the defense, holding Carolina to just 10 points. That's great. That's one of the lowest point totals they have allowed in the last several years. And it wasn't, like, fluky either. Like, I think they legitimately played them well. I mean, I think that first drive was really the – that first drive and then the touchdown drive were really the two drives where they sort of struggled. But I mean, even the best defenses are going to give up points sometimes. Um, and I think that uh, that fourth down stop was sort of the turning point. They really started to turn it on after that. And then obviously the man of the hour is Jesse Bates with his two interceptions, forced fumble. I think he led the team in tackles as well. I mean, Jesse Bates was just everywhere. A man possessed, honestly, just playing his ass off. Uh, so biggest possible shout out to Jesse Bates there. Um, before we dive into to more of the positives, I actually want to read George Costanza's comments real quick. George with the $2 says, I think we need to incorporate more screen passes into the offense. Yeah, George. I mean, I think those, those are the only passes that were working. So, you know, we might have to add more of those. And then George, Is that uh, was, yeah. <laughs> Is that Dirk Cutter out there? I can't see you. But uh, oh, no. he, he also adds... Uh, Ritter didn't play well, but that throw with five minutes left to Pitts definitely won us the game. I'm not a big believer in him, but he made the throw he had to. Let's pound the rock and bomb it deep. Can he consistently drop that bomb? We will see. Also, Jesse Bates is a monster. And yeah, I mean, Ritter did not have a good game. 
he wasn't set up to have a good game, certainly by the, the situation. And I don't really think the play calling did him a lot of favors either, but certainly not a sharp game overall from Ritter, who just looked a little frazzled. And I mean, I don't necessarily blame him when I think his time to time to throw was like under two seconds for the entire first half because of how quick the pressure was getting there. But certainly you hope for a little bit more out of your starting quarterback. And I don't know, my biggest, my biggest, uh, you know, demerit goes to Caleb McGarry, but we're supposed to be keeping it positive in this segment. So, uh, Alan, I'll go back to you. What's, what's a big positive takeaway for you? It doesn't have to be about the offense or the defense, but go ahead. Positive, positive. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Should we talk more about B. John Robinson? Like just that touchdown. I, I don't know how many players in this league could do that. Like, yeah. Like Bob Bell, poor, like, I don't think he should be in this division. Like he came to this division and he, he got on the worst side. I think Frankie Lulu as well. It's just going against this Falcons offense. Of course, you got Arthur Smith, who I know he's going to come under a lot of scrutiny for the play point. But I thought, particularly in the third quarter, the way he was switching up the run plays was really nicely done. You saw uh, Robinson get like a clean uh, cutback lane. Algier bounced outside. So he, he was doing, you know, I definitely want to watch the film and see you know, how he put it together. But you just saw them mixing up really nicely. And that's a danger playing this Falcons team. It's just, man, your fronts get wore down, but then your secondary better be ready to make tackles open field. And it just seemed like the Panthers, they struggled to tackle as well as the defense play at the time. It's just, you know, we'll, and I think with Algier, I want to mention this, not just the power aspects, but he seems more agile. There was a play, I think, in the first quarter, probably the only good thing in the first quarter from the offense is when he made one in the corner, maybe it was J.C. Horn miss, and he just, it was a nice cutback. He didn't have to use his strength, you know, or no stiff arm. So Algier looks lighter, but he's still running violent. That his first touchdown, just remarkable balance. And he, it just seems like anytime there's a negative play with him, he turns into a positive because you know, the O-line, I think Bergeron had his moments and Drew Dahlman, I, I think, in the run game did well. But for most part, I just felt, wow, they were getting a lot of yards after contact. And it's just special. And and look, either these guys got a break, need a break. Cordell Patterson, we'll be back soon enough. You know, Joker is coming. So uh, as ugly as the passing game was, I'm ready for this running game to take over. Of course, it's not ideal given they have you know, London and Pitts, but look, this run game is here and the defense is better beware because even if you feel like you're containing them for two or three quarters, this offense is so good. Robinson will get a 20-yarder. Algier will break open free. And next thing you know, they're going to be in the red zone. And this team is built to thrive in the red zone. So that's probably the biggest takeaway I could get from this offense. It's just they know their identity and it's going to be hard to stop. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, they 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 did a great job in the red zone today. I believe two for two in their opportunity, or wait, three for three uh, in their opportunities in the red zone. So, um, yeah, I think it's three for three. Um, yeah, 20, yeah, all their touchdowns came from within the red zone, and they scored on all three trips. So that's great. I mean, that's what Arthur Smith's known for is, is getting, getting that, uh, getting down to the red zone, getting punching it in when you can. And that was absolutely key because if the Falcons settle for field goals on those drives. You know, it's, it's a much different story at the, at the end of the game where the Falcons are only up by nine and the Panthers are probably playing a lot harder to try to close the gap. But when you have that 14 point lead, it sort of just eliminated Carolina's will. Like they were like, well, we're down two touchdowns. Not really much we can do here. And it was, it was nice to see that. And then, you know, we didn't see really the, didn't really see i guess the run the run game like take over in the in the second half like i thought that they could but it would be nice i think uh if we could get that in the future but hey 
We'll take it. And Tyler Algier, again, like you said, very good at refusing to lose yardage. I mean, that man pretty much always gets at least one yard. Um, and, you know, Bijan getting his feet wet, I think his role will continue to grow. I wouldn't be too concerned if I was uh, a Falcons fan about his usage. Um, I mean, you look at his usage compared to like Jameer Gibbs, who seemed like he was like a bit player in the Lions offense in week one. Um, and I wouldn't be concerned at all about that. But Adnan, I'll go to you next on this. What, what's sort of a positive takeaway you have from this? Well, I I will say that, um, yeah, three for three in the red zone was absolutely fantastic. Like that's that that's exactly what you want out of that red zone offense. And pretty much every time, like every time they, they were pounding the rock, it felt like whenever they got inside the 10. And I think it's a really good sign that Carolina, who has a pretty good defense, like, you know, I think Carolina is going to be a bad football team this year, but I don't think that they have a bad defense. Like I think they'll be bad because they don't have, a wide receiving court, you know, their offensive line is a question mark. Miles Sanders isn't that good. Bryce Young is a rookie. But, you know, that's all on the offense. Um, But defensively, they're a solid team. And Carolina knew that Atlanta was going to run the ball. And, you know, Atlanta still kept running the ball at will and getting yardage at will. And, yeah, technically it was a, it was a touchdown pass to Tyler Algier on the first play. But it was one of the it was one one of the flip pass plays where you know the quarterback just like flips it to the running back. It's I, I honestly think that, that that play needs to be changed to an actual running play. But that that's that's a that's a greater NFL issue as a whole. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know the other the other thing that I I do think we would be remiss to not mention uh, if we didn't is Young Way Koo made all of his kicks. You know, he's someone who in that Dolphins game, you know, missed a couple of extra points. And, you know, there was a, a little bit of nervousness, you know, some slight panic. Three for three on his extra point tries, nailed a 49-yard field goal. Um, so, you know, definitely shout out to the special teams for Atlanta. Uh, you know, they, they downed Carolina at the one on a punt for, during a blatant horse collar. Uh, but, you know, it worked out in Atlanta's favor because... Carolina also had a penalty uh, on on the same play, so you know it was the ball was just down where it was, and you know the horse collar ended up only costing Atlanta about. <laughs> that a was half weird. Start. Yeah, that was weird. That was, that was very weird, but that pretty much like destroyed a Carolina drive before it could yeah. even begin. Yeah. Um, so but, great play, you know, Hesse. Great play. Yeah. Great <laughs> Make the tackle. Make I'm, the tackle. I'm just yeah. gonna say that Parker Hesse knew. <laughs> what was going on, and he knew that he could horse collar there. Two hundred IQ special teams play yeah, by part. No reason for question. So yes, you know, I I, I do want to I do want to give a shout out to to the special teams as a whole today. No, I agree. I think the special teams deserves big props. I think Pinion outside of that first punt that was pretty bad. Uh, the rest of the punts were definitely on point. Lots of hang time, plenty of time for the coverage to get down there, and the coverage I think made the plays they needed to. And yeah, I mean, if if Hesse like. That was almost like a safety. Like that was really close to being a safety. Like I mean, Amir Smith Marset. That was incredibly foolish. But like, I mean, I I I would have done it too. Like if you think you have a chance at a safety, get him down. Like and if you get the if you get the fifteen yard penalty, they're still at the fifteen. They're still inside the twenty. Who cares? And see if you can get the safety. So I don't have a problem at all with him going for that. Uh, obviously, you know, 
try to get your hands on the sh- on the back instead of the, the horse collar. Nobody wants to really see that, but I don't blame him for going for it. I mean, that would just almost uh, elite special teams play. So definitely not set. It was. It still is. It still is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not maybe like if he gets him in for the safety, that's like number one special teams play of the season type material. But uh, yeah, good stuff there by Parker Hesse, who seems like his stay on the practice squad is like purely some kind of roster juggling nonsense because John Fitzpatrick made an active in favor of Parker Hesse, who's John Fitzpatrick is the one who's on the roster. So it's just very bizarre behavior there, but whatever. Arthur Smith loves his tight ends. We all know that. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think ultimately positives, you know, you guys mentioned Bijan, Bijan, however however you want to say it. Bijan said it's okay either way, but uh yeah, it's I mean, I like what you obviously like what you see from the two running backs. You you need the consistency to be there for the offensive line to uh but I think this Panthers defense, I mean, last year I think they were 12th overall against the run or 10th, so a good run defense that was fully healthy. Uh, the Falcons didn't really face the Panthers when that defense was fully healthy last year. Unfortunately, J.C. Horn leaves the game with a hamstring injury. Hopefully he's okay. Um, but you'd like to see the Falcons more consistently dominate um, up front. Really, you know, the passing game that didn't see much. You love the Kyle Pitts catch. You love that Ritter put it in a place where Pitts could catch it. We barely saw that at all with Marcus Mariota. And it was a gutsy throw, but it was complete. And, and we didn't see that at all from Mariota last year. He just airmailed the shit out of it or it was not close, there was no chance for the receiver to make a play. What do you know? You get the ball in Pitt's vicinity, and the unicorn comes down with a great catch, uh, and also simultaneously cashed uh, his uh, more than projection and prize picks for me. So great job, Ritter, and great job, uh, Kyle Pitts, on that one. But yeah, it's uh, it, it was an ugly day for the passing offense, but ultimately when the dust clears, they got a 14-point win. So it's like the score... I. I mean, I think everyone's kind of got the first half blazed and burned into their minds because it was hella ugly. Then the second half comes along and like the offense doesn't do a whole lot, but they don't, they didn't make crushing mistakes, which is, that's what cost Carolina this game more than anything was they came in and they made crushing mistakes, mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. And they crumbled in the second half. Whereas the Falcons offense, they didn't like do great, but they got it together enough and they cashed in when they got in the red zone. That, and, and if the defense is really, like, good, which maybe it could be. I mean, this defense really shut down Carolina's offense. I mean, it, it was not always beautiful, but they made the plays when they needed to. They got the turnovers. They got the pressure late that was not there early to really shut this game down. And I don't remember the last time I saw that. I saw a Falcons defense run out the clock and just dominate in the second half. Didn't allow a single point, I believe, in the second half. And then, um, you know, we see... Atlanta just sort of stifle Carolina completely where like, it wasn't even a sweaty finish. I was, who could have guessed by the way, the first half went that the Falcons would come away with a 14 point victory. I mean, I, I certainly can't uh, believe it, but (laughs) there's no DJ Walker or DJ Moore in this one. Yeah. There's no magic happening in this one for the Panthers. And, um, you know, if Panthers fans are watching, I mean, I, I thought Bryce young handled it. Well, I mean, he looked like a rookie, but he looked like a good rookie. I mean, I don't I don't think he his play was egregiously bad, but definitely those picks, like, you know, welcome to the NFL. <laughs> he essentially yeah. just yeah. threw it to face. I don't yeah. know what he's seen there, but I thought his poison decision make was largely good. I think they're doing him a disservice. Look, I know they're rebuilding. I don't want to be too pro Carolina, but 
and there's no way you could go into the season looking at that receiving corpse and feel confident. Yeah, like, no, it's Adam, Adam Thielen's been on the decline for almost two years now. You can't really bank on DJ Chark. And you have likes of Terrence Marshall and Chanel. Like these guys haven't really progressed. Like, you know, maybe Mingo will become something, but there's just no way you could look at that supported guest and be like, all right, I think we have the infrastructure here. I know Frank Reich has worked magic with some pretty average Colts teams in the past, but still, I, I think they could have done more to bolster that offense for him to at least have more to throw to because if Falcons secondary dominated, I wasn't too surprised by it, even without Okuda, just like this Carolina team, that they don't have guys that can separate it. So, no, like, no, Trey Flowers looked good. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's like, a sign, you know. <laughs> that's a sign that your receivers have problems. That's a that's a tight end specialist uh, out there covering your receivers. So that's never a good sign. And I thought Trey Anderson had moments to coverage. It was where I thought Anderson and Ellis kind of at times didn't play with the best gap discipline yeah. when it came to the game. But in coverage, they were flying to the ball, and eventually they got going pass rushing wise. So. Yeah, that was encouraging. There, I don't know how much takeaways you can make for the defense, just because I think Carolina's offense is very much a work in progress. But at least you see the secondary. Okay, they could hold their own against bad opposition. You know, they could pretty much control the game. But I'm I'm alarmed by the pass rush. Though I was largely just wondering what is going on. Like I know Ryan Nielsen likes his big guys and he wants to overpower people, but at some point you need an edge rusher that could do a swim move or you know put there some sort of move. Like the fact that Abiketti barely played didn't make much sense to me. And I don't know how Albert Huggins got all these snaps. Uh, I don't I don't think Abikati's really in their good graces. I mean, we saw him out there in the fourth quarter of those preseason games playing against the twos and the threes. And, I mean, he didn't really look that good against the twos and the threes overall. So, with Arnold Abikati, we may have to sort of pump the brakes a little bit with him uh, at this point, at the very least, based on what we see. So, I mean... I know he was a second-round rookie. We're all we were all very excited. Uh, you know, he had some some flashes last year, but you know, whether it's you know him not doing it in practice or what, he like he's not really in in, in the good graces of uh, of Ryan Nielsen right now, and yeah. you know that may be justified because he didn't really look good in the preseason at all. That's true. Yeah, he didn't really make. I mean, he did. I think that first game made a lot of he, plays. He had the one um, play, yeah, one play but Dolphins where he, mm-hmm. he got the strip sack late in the fourth quarter. But outside of that, it was you know what <laughs> he didn't like. He was out there a lot, but we didn't. We never really called his name. Yes. Also, this fun stat: uh, Mike Conti from ninety two nine put this out there. Through all the games completed so far in Week One, Desmond Ritter has the uh, highest passer rating at one one eleven point eight. So. <laughs> so through all the one o'clock games, Desmond Ritter finished with the highest uh, passer rating, I think. A very uh, Alex Smith-esque performance. Yes, elite efficiency right there for Desmond Ritter. No, I mean it was not pretty, but uh, that's. I mean you can you can get high grades there when you don't make mistakes. Like if you don't throw any picks and throw some touchdowns, you know it doesn't care how many yards you have. The stat doesn't really look at that at all. So it's um, a, it's a very flawed stat. It is. It's extremely flawed. Uh, it it tells you. Whether you had an efficient, mistake-free day, but that's it. Uh, it, it does not the tell you. Mistakes. There was technically a touchdown pass, but, I mean, that's not a touchdown pass. Well, I mean, it, on the stat sheet it is, but it's like, come on. Bijan gets like 99% of the credit, that's for sure. No, I was talking <laughs> about the, uh, yeah. Oh, no, I also, like, I made a mistake earlier. I think that the Algier touchdown 
did actually go down as, as a rushing touchdown, the first one. So Algier I had two so. rushing. Yeah, because yeah, I think that was a pitch. Um, so yeah, Because, like, the, the, I mean, that pass to Bijan, I'm sorry, like, we could have made that throw. It was just like, here, <laughs> Bijan, go, go. Like, Bijan, score. make magic happen, please. Yeah, I mean, we're going to need a lot of that this year. No, no doubt about that. Um, but they got it done, uh, and that's great. Um, so, I mean, no complaints for me there. I mean, I'm glad you got it done. Let me get another comment here from George Costanza. Okay, we got a bad joke, first of all. Here we go. Prepare yourselves. Everybody steal yourselves. Yeah, joke. Come on, George. Yeah, here we go. Bradley Pinion was pinion them deep in their territory. But um, tis. Yes, thank you, George, for making me read that one. <laughs> <laughs> Adnan, uh, he wants to know what your drink of choice was for the game. Also, Braves clinched the postseason, and Falcons going to the Super Bowl. Hype train is rolling down the tracks. Yes, very, thank you. very good day, George. You know, shout out to the Braves, the uh, the best team in Atlanta right now, I think by far. If I mean, you know, shout out to the Falcons, but the Braves are the best team in baseball. This is this is one of the best baseball teams I've ever seen. Um, I actually wasn't drinking anything during the game, but after the game, I pulled out my ginger ale just as you know, as one of those where I, I just. Through my sigh of relief, I just opened yes. up a, a, a nice ginger the, the ale. The fizz and, echoed your exhale. Yeah, and, and, and I'm just like, just very calmly, like you know, drinking it after, uh, after what was a very nerve-wracking two-touchdown victory. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you once again for that, George. And this is a good opportunity to plug some stuff, guys. Uh, make sure to join our community Discord server. The link is in the show description. Uh, so definitely check that out. If you haven't checked it out yet, lots of game day chat live going on there. Fans are having a great time sometimes, having a bad time the rest of the time, but at least you can do it together. Uh, if you're interested in asking a question like you've seen George do, you can do that. Uh, there's a link to that in the show description, streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. Uh, I believe, fingers crossed, that we will have uh, that stuff set up to go through YouTube officially soon instead of going through Streamlabs. So it'll be easier for you guys to comment. It'll be easier for you guys to get flair on the channel and stuff like that because if everything goes well, I don't know why it wouldn't, then we'll, we will get, I think, partner status with YouTube and there'll be lots of cool new features for you guys to use on the channel that'll be a little bit easily more integrated into the process. So look forward to that. Uh, and yeah, make sure to like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast audio after the fact, leave us that five-star review. Appreciate that, guys. Shout out to my co-host, Alan Sturk at Alan Sturk on Twitter and Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way as well. Give those guys a follow. All right. Let's, we, we got some positivity. It's been mixed with some negativity. Um, I do want to ask Adnan, I'll go to you first on this one. What's the most alarming thing you saw in this game? Like the most, it doesn't necessarily have to be outright negative but what's the thing that concerns you the most going forward um the pass blocking was always a question coming into this season the offensive line was very good last year overall uh came into the year ranked i think seventh by pff i think last year was a top five o-line according to pff but uh that's because the falcons really catered to what they do well, which is run blocking. The Falcons ran the ball 55% of the time. They were one of two teams to run the ball more than they passed it. And that's something that, you know, a lot of years doesn't happen with any team. Like almost every team passes the ball more than they run the ball. And some teams, some years, everyone does so. Um, I know the Falcons are going to run the ball a lot. And they probably will, once again, have more runs than passes. I am nervous because the pass blocking 
isn't very good and Desmond Ritter doesn't look very good. And the next step for the Falcons, we have cleared that hurdle of winning a game. There's expectations on this team. You don't get to invest that much money in free agency. You don't get this many high-profile draft picks. You don't get to take uh, a win-now player in Bijan Robinson in the top 10 of the draft and, you know, expect to go into a, a year where, you know, where you don't have expectations for the playoffs at the very least, maybe even a division title. Regimes, many regimes, the vast majority of regimes do not get three years of a grace period. This is year three for Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. And, you know, if the Falcons aren't in the playoffs, I'm not saying that they're getting fired, but I am saying that they may be on a bit of a hot seat next year. Actually, I'm saying that they're going to be on a legitimate hot seat next year. Mm -hmm. Um, the issue is you can beat bad teams the way that you played today. You can beat bad teams. You can force them into mistakes. You can take advantage of their unforced errors the way the Falcons did with, with the Panthers today. You cannot beat legitimate teams. You cannot beat good teams that are also in that, you know, that have those playoff aspirations that are competing with you in the playoffs by throwing the ball like this. Like there are some teams that have been able to, but those teams, like in, in NFL history, but those teams have also had the best defenses ever in NFL history. Like, you know, I, as much as I like this defense, this defense is not the, the 2000 Ravens. <laughs> no, no. no, we're not like there this, yet. Everybody calm down if you think Dallas is relaxed. Yeah, like this defense isn't the Legion of Boom Seahawks. Like it, yeah. it's a very, it's a good defense and we're very, it's great compared to what we have been used to the past few years, but the passing offense as a whole, I, I'm actually more worried about it coming out of week one than yeah, I was yeah, going yeah. into week one. And I was one of the main critics of it. I was one of the main guys in, in Falcons media, all training camp, all, all preseason saying, Hey, passing offense is a question mark. Hey, like, you know, we're not really connecting on anything downfield. There's nothing happening deep. And, you know, lo and behold today, I, I think I can count on one hand how many passes beyond the line of scrimmage were, were completed. Like how many throws were completed beyond the line of scrimmage. That's not going to cut it most weeks. It does cut it this week. And, you know, we're very positive and we're very happy about that. But man, this is, you know, this is going to be an issue. This is going to be an issue moving forward. And the other thing I want to say is, can I please take my victory lap for, you know, the preseason conversation? Because this team looked like absolute shit in the first half. They looked absolutely rusty. And, you know, all preseason, a lot of people are telling me, oh, it doesn't matter that the that the starters aren't playing at all in the preseason. Like, it's okay that they're not playing at all in the preseason. Like, they came out in week one and looked like that. Like, the offense looked looked terrible in the first half, and it, pretty, it almost cost us the game. Like, it would have cost us the game if not for Jesse Bates' heroics. So, I mean, please, can we start, like, actually playing our – our young guys can we start playing our, our starters in the preseason in, in future years. This two out of three years, Arthur Smith has opted against it. Two out of three years, the offense came out looking like absolute shit in week one. The one time when they didn't was when, you know, they got legitimate preseason snaps last year against the saints. So, I mean, that's something that I do think Arthur Smith deserves some criticism over, but it's something that he got away with because of what the defense did. Yeah. 
I don't think you're wrong, but you also look over at the Steelers 49ers game. Kenny Pickett played the most, I think, of any first string quarterback in the preseason. <sighs> they score seven points and they're shit. That's apples to oranges for me. Like, 49ers defense is a top five defense in the NFL. Like the Panthers aren't them. Yeah, but they, they, the oh, they are. This, no, like yeah. the people, people were all hyped up on the Steelers. Oh, look how they crushed everyone in the preseason. They played so much, and th- that offense looked completely disjointed. Now, a lot of that does have to do with the 49ers, but like, I'm just saying, like the preseason, it, it the preseason doesn't tell you anything, right. like because the I'm Panthers' offensive line was awful in, in the preseason I too, mean, sure, and then they played well. Sure, so. but the thing is, like, I want my young quarterback to get reps in the preseason. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Des- I mean, I, Desmond Ritter had four career starts and two career touchdown passes and they went out and they're like, all right, here's one drive. All right. You don't have to play anymore in the preseason. Like there's a reason why Patrick Mahomes is playing the preseason. And there's a reason why Patrick Mahomes comes out and absolutely slings that shit from, from week one on like Mahomes looked great again on Thursday. And I mean that, that loss wasn't his fault, but you know, that's, no. that's another conversation. Entirely. Yeah. It's another conversation. Yeah. But I just, I don't, I don't know how much it matters, but you're right. The Falcons did not look sharp. So, I mean, it, maybe that's why maybe the Panthers had a great game plan. I mean, maybe it's all those things rolled together. Uh, but you know, and we'll see, hopefully they get it cleaned up because we can't have this, but they did look rusty and there's no, no discounting that. Like, the Falcons' offense did not look ready. The pass protection in particular looked abysmal. Caleb McGarry, like, my God, man. I, I don't – was this his worst ever game? Like, I'm pretty sure no, it was. No. He's, oh, had yeah. bad games. He's had some, He's had some really bad games. 2019, man. 2020. Like, I don't like, know, man. Caleb McGarry was absolute crap, bro. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, it was it was up there. It was up there. Uh but it was up there, but man, like Caleb, like, you know, now if you were asking about like a guy like Lindstrom or, you know, maybe Matthews who like have had a consistent career, but from a Caleb McGarry only had, has only had one good year in his career so far. Yeah. I mean, well, I would say like 21 was okay. 22 was good, but yeah, you're right. Like good years, just one, but I mean, that's why they got him to take the discount. They were they were betting on him having a better year, but they didn't necessarily pay. Like, you look at, like, uh, Jawan Taylor and how he was getting destroyed, and he's getting, like, almost, what? He's getting over 20, right? So, um, it, it is something that is, um, you have to give them credit because they didn't succumb to the pressure of, oh, our offensive linemen may, like, you know, we're going to have a hole in offensive line. Like, they never for a second considered franchise tagging him, even though that was an option, because they knew he wasn't worth that much money. And, you know, they they pretty much called his bluff, and I'm pretty sure every other NFL team, you know, who has a lot more access, you know, than we do, and, you know, it's obvious to us, uh, they saw that Caleb McGarry is, you know, for, for use of a better term, a run-blocking merchant. Like, you know, he's someone that goes out there and he – he made his money run blocking. He has never really been good at pass blocking, and other teams saw that, and that's why he took so much less money than his contemporaries this offseason. Yeah. He's always yeah. been limited. He has. Short arms, slow yeah. feet. Like, I always thought he could be a better guard, but that's obviously never going to happen. So. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough with the height because he is super tall, and that really makes yeah. it tough for guys moving inside. Not impossible. We've seen some guys do it well, but – 
um, yeah, it, he's got to get that cleaned up. I mean, we'll, we'll hopefully chalk it up to rust and that these guys didn't get a lot of opportunity to play together in the preseason, like Adnan mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alan, what, what are you most concerned about leaving this one? Oh, just quickly on the pass question. I'm just curious how much of which is strict on the right side compared to the left side. Cause it seemed like Derek Brown and Brian Burns was doing the most damage, but yeah, of course, yeah. watch the film. We'll see how the left side fare, but from what I saw, and look, that Thursday night game last year, as awesome as Lynch was last year, Derek Brown took it to him last year. So Derek Brown's a dog. Like Derek yeah. Brown, oh, yeah. there's a reason oh, yeah. Derek Brown was a top ten pick. And I mean, this is one of those things. Like the Panthers are, they have a good defensive line. Like oh, yeah. Brian, Brian Burns, Burns played Burns, out of his mind. That was Brian insane. Burns needs some money tonight. Today, yeah. like Brian Burns should needs to take Caleb McGarry out for a dinner or something. <laughs> yeah, Buy three first round picks. We yeah. had two. <laughs> yeah, Rams, we're up. The price is going up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, my biggest frustration by far, uh, it's really mostly on Arthur Smith's third down play calling. The Falcons were two for ten on third down, and a good majority of it was just through whether it was screens or runs on third and five six. Like, I just. I just wanted to see more from Ritter. I know they don't have much of a drop back passing game right now, but it seemed like they were just so fixated on running a shotgun or using pistol. Like I didn't see much play action. I just didn't see much variation from the passing. I don't know if spacing was an issue either, but everything just seemed so narrow and condensed. It was just it was hard to watch. And yeah. you also have to take into account that Bijan Robson touchdown was on third down. So when you think yeah. about it, it really could have been one for eleven on third down because yeah. it took an extraordinary play. The other third down conversion, I can't recall. So just the third down play call, I thought was abysmal. I, You just – look, I don't know how much you want to take – some of it could be coach speak, but they were really, like, confident with Ritter. They're like, okay, we can put in this <laughs> offense. And, look, I know the pass protection was sketchy, but, you know, they've run a lot of max protect, a lot of heavy sets. You know, you could run 22 or 12 or just, you know, have someone chip. I know Bijan Robinson, pass protection needs some work. Uh, there was one play he got completely manhandled, but hey, you know, we'll, we'll, it's a work in progress there. But there's ways you can set protections to give your quarterback time to throw yeah. the ball. And I think it was just disappointing. That didn't happen. Not a lot of play action. It just, for all the invested with London and Pitts, it's just you need to do more. He only had zero catches today. Yeah, he dropped yeah, the one, one that he got. Yeah. He, 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 he got a bad he drop. Got, he, got one, he got one target, and it was a drop. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that's his fault, 100. Yeah. percent I mean, Pitts and London, you can they cannot combine for two catches like total. Yeah. No, and I mean, like I'm not saying that this is their fault. Like it is London's fault for the drop, but I mean, it's like there were no opportunities for them to like to get anything out there. Yeah. Um, no, I mean you're absolutely. It's right. ten third downs. It wasn't like this team was just rolling them over on the no. on the ground. Like you had opportunities where you had to convert third and five, third and ten. And it just never happened. And yeah, Ritter definitely looks skittish. Um, there was one pass to Pitts that could have got picked off. I even thought he and that he tried hitting Matt Collins on out. Like Matt took Matt Collins extraordinary effort just to catch that pass. Yeah, the third and ten. It was like way behind Matt Collins. Oh, that and, was a third down. Yeah, oh, it, so that was yeah, the third down. Yeah, it was third and ten. And that that's one of those yeah. plays yeah. where you know it's gonna go down on the stat sheet and again you know the the stat the flawed stats that we were talking <laughs> yep, about yep. it goes down on the stat sheet as oh you know a crucial third down that was a bad pass oh it was not like, a great pass that's for sure that was Matt Collins just like you so know third down wow. so you think about Collins it. making his money like proving why we brought him in here yeah 
So think about this. So they were two of ten on third down, and it required Matt Collins to make an extraordinary catch and Bijan Robinson to do something that ninety nine point nine elite can't do. So that's that's really alarming of how bad the Falcons were on third down. Yeah, and I think and, play call was the issue. And Alan, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna confirm it here. I I think it may have been second down. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm gonna confirm it with you in just uh in just a second. But uh, you know the Robinson touchdown was for sure on third down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, we're, we're all about we're all about the facts here, and yeah, it was second and nine. Oh, so you're, you know what? We're all about you know we're all about the facts. So I, I don't want to mislead you. I, it was not third down. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But nevertheless, yeah. they still only had one other conversion. You, so your point still stands. Your point yeah. more than stands. Yeah, it's so just so. semantics. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the third down play calling is what really infuriated me the most. I just felt they could have done more. Yes, I know Brian Burns was wrecking things. Derek Brown, that sack on what was like the end of the first half. But those were great moments for Panthers defense. But you gotta have more confidence. Considering yeah. Everything you invest in the oh, yeah. game. Oh, he called such a safe game. Yeah. And, it's, yeah, it literally After, they just they they never like got out of it. It's like okay, the offense like the the original offense didn't work. Like they were getting demolished up front, and it just didn't really change. Like it, that was the biggest issue I saw. Was like we like okay, like they're gonna blitz linebackers. Like where's the hot route? Like let's get some hot routes for you know like why what are we doing? Like why are yeah. like you don't have to max protect every time. Like if they're gonna blitz the hell out of you, get some hot routes. Like I don't know what. Smith's issue is with getting some quick outlets for the blitz and like part of it's Desmond Ritter's decision making too like if he hits you know Tyler Algier quicker uh on some of those screens like he might have a chance to make a play but like with his delay getting it to him like a second later by the time Algier gets the ball the defender's already streaking in and it's just an easy tackle for loss so I just uh you know Ritter's got to tighten it up he's got to get quicker with the decision making particularly in those hot read situations um but, like, the play calling's got to be better, too. I mean, I think when Ritter actually had a pocket and dropped back, it wasn't... I, I thought it was fine. Like, I mean, they, they didn't... There weren't a lot of opportunities like that. Uh, but I think for the most... I mean, that Matt Collins throw was behind him. But, like... He had once on and out. That was just, you know, quick 10 yards. Say, yeah, right, yeah. Steps, but we'll take that. Right. And, the, you know, then, like, the 25-yarder to Pitts was a nice throw right in stride. Pitts picked up 25 on it. And then it gets oh, called back actually, to an illegal shift, you know? And it's like... Oh. It was sloppy. It was sloppy all around. I, I'm not. You shouldn't take anything away from Week One, really. Now, if they'd lost this game, I would have been like, you know, bring out the pitchforks. So, like, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt there. But um, Week One is wonky. I mean, look at the look at look around the league at the scores in Week One. It's never, it's never a good idea to overestimate Week One yeah. in any way. Like, look at the Bengals. They got almost blanked by the Browns. Uh, Joe Burrow was like the most, the worst quarterback in the NFL today. Uh, Cardinals almost won today. Yeah. The Cardinals even looked good. So it's like, Baker Mayfield won again, but yeah. So, I mean, this is, it's, it's a weird week. It always is. It's kind of an extended preseason for a lot of these teams. Um, so I wouldn't get too wrapped up in the nitty gritty of this game, but you look at the main things and it's the offense has to be better. Like, yes, they, they, they cashed in in the red zone. That is something that hopefully will be a staple of this offense. But, like, did they put together, like, a, I think they put together one actual drive all game. I think that was literally, they put together one drive. Late third quarter. And yeah. I think that was, Bijan had a 21-yard run. Algier had some moments. But it was purely off the running game. Like, I can't yeah. recall yeah. that late third quarter when they went up 70 to 10. I can't yeah. recall. Maybe the pits quick out, but besides that, yeah. it was all ground and pound. Yeah. So, it's well, just, you know. 
you got to get more consistent. You got to find a way to, to wake up the passing game, especially when you have all these weapons. Like, I don't know what happened to Drake London. I, I, I mean, I said going in, I thought the Panthers would dedicate all of their attention to, Lon- to London. I mean, J.C. Horn but... got hurt. Like, you can't yeah, even blame exactly. J.C. Horn yeah. on, on that. No, because no. they were not – and I think that they made mention of it on the broadcast. I think it's C.J. Henderson who who's the backup. And C.J. Henderson, you know, is kind of garbage. And they were not targeting <laughs> they him testing at him. all. Yeah. Like, they weren't testing him. And the reason why they weren't testing him, they cannot throw the ball downfield. And you can't do that – you can you can get away with that in 1983. You can't get away with that in 2023. And my my issue is that well, I mean one it's clear that Arthur Smith doesn't really trust Desmond Ritter to do so. And, and I mean I can see why he doesn't because you know we have eyes. We saw what happened throughout all of training camp. We kept talking about it. You know I kept being told that I was nitpicking because I kept mentioning that, hey, Desmond Ritter isn't really throwing the ball the ball downfield. It's seven on sevens. There's no pressure on him, and he just is not throwing the ball downfield. He just refuses to throw the ball downfield. Every single pass is five to ten yards, five to ten yards, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. And it's like this is, this is why I kept mentioning that for moments like this, because there, there is no light switch that's going to turn on, and it's like, all right, he can throw the ball downfield like he hasn't done it at all all camp but you know he's going to he's going to be perfect doing so now i mean arthur smith doesn't trust you can tell by the play calling like he does not trust him out there it's third and 10 and they're throwing screen passes over i don't know why carolina even got you know surprised by some of those screen passes like it became obvious that that's what they were going to do my main fear my biggest fear is that arthur smith is you know, doing that offensive coordinator thing, that offensive-minded coach bullshit of I am smarter than everyone else. I am, you know, my scheme and my football knowledge is much higher than everyone else's. So, you know, even someone who is, you know, more so physically challenged when it came, when it comes to arm strength and when it comes to deep pass accuracy like Desmond Ritter, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be able to make him successful. And the thing is, like, we, we see it all the time when, you know, these offensive minded coaches always think that they're they're smarter than everyone else. and They tend to galaxy brain it. And my fear and I'm not saying that this is true, but I have a hunch is that he galaxy brained the entire quarterback position. And I'm just I'm just worried because if that if that's the case, if that's true, none of this matters. Like none of those signings matter. Like B. John Robinson, like this team, this team has a severe cap, a severe ceiling without a good passing attack. And that's just that's just the reality of today's NFL. You know, very, very few teams can overcome that. And the ones that can't overcome that, like I said, they're the ones with incredibly historic defenses. They're the ones with, you know, Von Miller wreaking havoc out there, like the Broncos 10 years ago. You know, they're the ones with, you know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed in the lineup. Like, you know, I love Jesse Bates. He's not Ed Reed. I'm sorry. Like Troy Anderson isn't Ray Lewis, but you know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I'm wrong here. But that's just that's just something that that's just an observation. Yeah, that yeah. ceiling is uh, first first uh, playoff game in Atlanta in how many years? But you're probably going to play Dallas or Philadelphia and get a big reality check. I think that's the ceiling. Well, if Philadelphia is is going to dog walk this team as 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 it currently is right now. Yeah. Yeah, but Philadelphia is probably going to dog walk 
what 75 yeah, yeah, of the nfl so like <laughs> i think dallas would too but yeah so we'll, we'll have to, i mean it's, it's got to evolve it's got to evolve yeah yeah, yeah. like we, we can't play like this going forward and expect to win games um but look if the defense if this is what we can get from the defense where we can actually have the defense force some turnovers and keep the score tight i mean they could win games like that i think adam brings up a good point like what does that get you in the playoffs I mean, it kind of gets you like you're just desperately hoping to keep the score low and and win a tight game. And like, they deserve a lot of credit for this. This is their first game as a unit under a new defensive coordinator. They come out there, they hold the Panthers to 10 points uh, under 130 yards passing. They did allow 154 yards on the ground, which is bad, but they only allowed 10 points. So it's like they allowed the rushing yards, but it didn't really translate uh, into anything for Carolina. So you sort of let them run the ball if they're going to be down 14 points. But, um, you know, a lot of that did end up coming late too. Uh, they had several big runs like later in the game when they were already down multiple scores. So maybe the Falcons were trying to dare them to run the ball essentially. But again, you you can't allow 154 yards rushing every week. That's, that's not going to fly. Um, but it, it, the passing game has to get better. River has to get sharper and, and quicker. Mostly I think overall, like it wasn't a lack of poise thing. I think he's just a tick slow, you know, with, with the, the reading the field and, and the letting it rip. And hopefully you consider this, that, that preseason warmup that they didn't get. And they're, they're, you know, humming a little bit more going forward, but uh, you know, they're going to have to find that because this is not, you're not going to win. You're, you're going to barely get above 500. If this is the way this team's going to look where you're playing good defense, but you're just entirely predicated on the run game, carrying you every single week. Sooner or later, you're going to come against teams that can stop the run, and then it's not going to it's not going to work so well. So, they have to be able to to pass the ball. Sooner or later, they're going to have to figure it out. Can Ritter be that guy? You know, it's too early to tell. Um, it, it wasn't great this week, but at least he didn't throw a pick. So, <laughs> it could it could be worse. Ritter also moves to three and zero at home. So, home legend. Let's see if we can keep the streak going next week. Wow, that's a hell of a stat right there. Yeah, that way, Kevin. I'm I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this and. We definitely should give him a shout. But you are wearing his jersey. Uh, the fourth yeah. down stop, incredible yeah. penetration by Grady. That's just, that's just vintage Grady, Jared. Just yeah. exploding yeah. off the line of scrimmage, going right between the center and the right guard. To, so I think he was the main reason why they got that fourth down stop. Maybe Bud Dupree was in there as well. But once again, Grady, Jared. A little quiet game by his standards from at least a pass rushing aspect. But, you know, fun stuff. And that was a huge moment. Yeah, I mean. I thought they did pretty well in the short yardage situations. Like they, they sort of shut it down. They, they kept Carolina from, from getting out and getting, you know, downfield. Uh, they, they allowed some big runs, especially like early in drives, but they sort of, they tightened up when it mattered. Um, and for a, a defense again, with a new scheme with a lot of new faces out there to hold your opponent to 10 points in the first week of the season, that that's a good sign. Like this is a, it should get better. Like this is a, a unit that, should improve as they continue to gel and Jesse Bates to God, um, you know, can't say enough nice things about Jesse Bates. Uh, but Hey, you know, if, if we can, if he can, if we can get three turnovers every week, we're going to roll in those W's. So, uh, that's probably not going to happen every week. So we're, we're going to need the offense to do a little bit more going forward. <laughs> can I ask both of you guys a question? Cause obviously both of you are in camp. You're providing tremendous insight and you watch preseason. For listeners, I was in Croatia for most of preseason. I, the only game I got to see was Pittsburgh because, of course, the only game I saw was only Pittsburgh, and that was a disaster. But you guys also watched all preseason. Were you surprised that Albert Huggins and Zach Harrison got so many snaps? Because I did not see that coming. That might be me being naive. They really liked Albert Huggins. Like, he had a really strong camp, and, you know, he had he had a good preseason, too. And 
I will say like I'm not I'm not too shocked that Albert Huggins is out there because he did well enough to beat out Timmy Horn. He's the reason why Timmy Horn isn't on this 53-man roster right now. And Timmy Horn's a guy that you know also had a good preseason, that also had a good camp, and who had a good season last year. So I'm not I'm not really that that shocked at Albert Huggins' involvement. Yeah, no, I, I that was sort of what it looked like. I'm surprised that Huggins beat out Joe Gassiano, who I think outplayed him in the preseason and has a lot more experience and more versatility. And I, I don't think Huggins had a particularly good game. So I'm just kind of puzzled by that, but they clearly really like him. He does have history with Ryan Nielsen. So that's probably part of it too, but um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm glad for him that he made it uh, and, and is, you know, going to hopefully continue to improve, but I would, uh, I would probably prefer to see Joe Gaziano, but Hey, season's still young. We'll see. Hopefully we'll get the guys back out here soon. Um, no- Another thing I just want to mention is just they really exclusively play Clay's Campbell on the edge, and I don't think that's an mm-hmm. effective way to utilize him. I would like to see him get moved inside. But that means he less hug. Yeah, late in I the game, he, he was on the inside. On the he, yeah. he signed to play edge. He wanted to play edge. So, um, you know, I, I think he's more of a base down edge rusher and a, a yeah. passing down interior guy. We'll see how that evolves. But he did sign here because the Falcons said they wanted to use him on the edge. And, he played the run really well, as as expected. The pass rush juice wasn't quite there, but um, until they get someone that's actually like better, I mean, he's kind of yeah. he's gonna he's gonna bulldoze the tackle back. He might not get to the quarterback, but he's at least gonna you know cause cause issues for, for whoever he's up against. So it is it is what it is. We'll see how that ends up going. Um, all right, we got a couple more donations. Thanks so much for everyone for, for donating. Really appreciate that, guys. George Costanza with the $2. The most alarming thing in this game is Caleb McGarry looking like Jalen Mayfield. I feel like this was a Scooby-Doo episode. Oh. The gang captures McGarry, pulls off the mask, saying, let's see who you really are. It's Mayfield. <laughs> man, just, Mayfield's not even on the roster, and he's still catching strays. Oh. That, is, that is brutal. Man, but, let it go. Yeah. But we got uh, we got Corey with the five dollars saying we got two sacks today, two sacks towards my forty-two sack prediction, and also I'm bumping up to say eleven picks for us this year. Well, if they get forty-two sacks and eleven picks, this is probably going to be a top ten defense. So um, here's to hoping you're right about that one, Corey. Um, yeah. Before we uh, wrap up our game chat today, let me give you guys a quick update on my prize picks uh, for this week. Let me check on that real quick. So, uh, in case you guys forgot, uh, Prize Picks is now a sponsor of the show. So, shout out to Prize Picks for uh, sponsoring us this year. Um, before I tell you, I'll tell you guys a little bit more about what Prize Picks is. But first, I want to give you guys a check in on my Prize Picks this week. Uh, so, there was a free square, which is like a promotion where Dak Prescott more or less than half a passing yard. So, obviously, you take that, assuming Dak Prescott completes a pass tonight. That one's going to hit, so uh, feeling good about that. <laughs> but my other two uh, prize picks were Kyle Pitts, more than 37.5 receiving yards. He hit that. Uh, with, okay. yep. So uh, that, <laughs> Man, was, that, that was, was a little sweaty. That was a little was sweaty. Low. Yeah, uh, but I was really mad when they called back that 25-yard one because that would have put him over too. But we nailed that one. And then the other one was Youngway Koo, more than 6.5 fantasy points, which... He did nail. Uh, he had a 49-yard field goal, uh, which was obviously four points, and then three extra points to get seven points exactly. That is more than six and a half. So we ride, and if you had done my prize picks, you would have uh, won five times whatever your entry was. So 
Thanks to PrizePick once again for sponsoring this episode. If you're interested, guys, you can sign up using our promo code to get 100% deposit match up to $100 with code DBB for Dirty Birds and Brews. Um, yeah, it's a it's skill-based fan- daily fantasy game. You pick two to six players, decide if they will go more than less than their projection. More players you pick, the more that you can win. If you go in on all six, you can get up to 25 times your entry. And the cool thing is you're not competing against other people like other daily fantasy. It's just you versus the projections. And PricePix has a lot of generous promotions like the aforementioned Dak Prescott Free Square, like Taco Tuesday, Flex Friday. So keep your eyes open for those. It's not just NFL, though. If you like other sports, they do projections for all kinds of sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, anything you can think of, basically. And the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. And they offer fast withdrawals. It's that easy. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested in signing up guys, use our promo code DBB, uh, you'll see a hundred percent deposit match up to $100 and, uh, yeah, thanks again, PrizePix for sponsoring the show today. All right. So guys, we have been live for, for almost an hour now. So let's, let's give our final thoughts here. Alan, I'll go to you first. What, what's your, your, you know, as we wrap up, what, what do you want fans to sort of take away from this game as your final thought? Like, what, how, are, how are you sort of feeling going into week two? Work in progress, but the identity is there. I think look, the running game, I think it got into, at times, a rare, not rare, peak 2022 form. And they're going to compete. I know it's kind of a bland thing to say, but I, I love the fact that they really wore down a Carolina team that's going to be feisty, that's going to play hard. So the fact that they wore down a team like this and – you know, at least they have that foundation where it's like, okay, we can run the ball and break open 20-yard runs whenever possible. It's it's encouraging. So, but as we know, look, a lot of things to work on, a lot of progress to be made. But you know, this team, they they do know who they are. Now it's just a matter of executing better. But positive, I'll say positive. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the positivity. Like they got the dub, they broke the streak. That that has to be weighing yeah, on the guys streak, mentally. Like, like, they, they really had to yeah. break it. I got yeah. Salute to Brooks Reed, but I don't even remember the last home over <laughs> that Brooks Reed sacked Mike London. Like no, now we can look back and say Jesse Bates had a stellar performance. Bijan Robinson justified everything that. Uh, off-season hype. I know, Kevin, uh, Kevin, by the way, it must have felt really good for you considering you're the one who posted the infamous video with Troy Anderson. You're just like, all right, I, I let you people know. I let the world know he's coming. And what do you know? He, what yep. Yeah, there you go. So it's, uh, hey, I, I'm i excited. Uh, look, it, they needed to break that streak. They needed to get the dub. They needed to, to get all that negative energy and all that frustration from the past five years out. It wasn't pretty, but look, what did I tweet before this game? I don't care how it gets done. You just need to win the GD game. So I'm going to stick to my word. I'm going to let this one slide in terms of the ugliness because they got the dub. It was a double digit win. Like it's probably the ugliest double digit win you will ever see, but it is a double digit win. They got it done. And uh, look, I, I will be satisfied with that. We got to see more from the past game. Caleb McGarry has to get his shit together. Uh, and look, a tough test next week, still at home against the Packers. But, you know, the the difficulty ramps up there, right? They have, because the Packers have an even better defense than the Panthers do. So, you know, it, it's not going to get any easier. Uh, and that that's an opportunity for this team to, to show that they've improved uh, against a, a tougher opponent. And, you know, probably not going to be able to depend on the defense holding the Packers to just 10 next week so uh that's sort of my thoughts and then Adnan, i'll let you close this out what's sort of your 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 takeaway what do you want the fans to to take away from from this post game show 
the biggest thing, and this is something that transcends just this season, is just that massive psychological hurdle of you're finally above 500. Um, it's not only that this team lost the last five home openers in a row. It's that this team has never been above 500 in over 2,000 days. Like, that's that's an insane streak. That's something that, sure, maybe, you know, the Falcons of the 80s are used to, but that's something that, you know, people who aren't, you know, people who weren't unlucky enough to live through that era of Falcons football, like, legitimately haven't really even, you know, been used to in the Matt Ryan era. Like, what well, we, we got used to that success. We got used to going to the playoffs at the very least nearly every year. But this was huge. Like winning this game, going to one and zero, and I know it's only one and zero. I know it's only week one, but holy shit! Like this team needed that. Like this franchise needed that more than anything. This fan base needed that because I I guarantee you, had had the Falcons lost this game, it would have been here we go again. Like it would have been, you know, who cares about like all of the off season hype, all of the the preseason hype, the training camp hype? It would have been, it's the same old oh, fucking yeah. Falcons. Yep, it, it would have been justified. It would, it would have been, been justified, story. absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I guarantee you, like the Bens next next week would have probably been mo- more so Packers fans or like damn near like close to 50 50 or 40 60 or whatever. Um, but you know, this is something, this is a reason to have the city hyped and. You know, we have we have seven days until the next game. For us personally and for the fan base, I, I'm, I say us, meaning the Falcons fan base, you know, savor the fact that your football team is above 500 for the next seven days. Like, yes. you know, Cherish savor it. that. Shit. Yeah. Like, enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that you are 1-0. Enjoy the fact that you're technically undefeated. And enjoy the fact that, you know, if you win next week, you're going to be two and zero, and you know all of a sudden it's gonna it's gonna start getting really fun if you're two and zero. Yeah, yeah, and they got a chance here. Like they're going to need to play a lot better next week against the Packers. I don't think they're going to make a, nearly as many mistakes as the Panthers did. Um, but again, Packers also starting a relatively untested quarterback, maybe also having some wide receiver injury issues. We'll see the status of Jeff Okuda. We'll see the status of Cordero Patterson for the Falcons. Um, but it's an opportunity uh, for, for Desmond Ritter to continue the legendary home streak. He's 3-0 and now, so if he can get to 4-0, and I think we're actually on to something, like, legit at that point. Um, it's not going to be it's not gonna be easier. It's going to be harder. So this passing game is going to have to get it together. The pass protection and the O-line are going to have to get it together to go up against what should be a better Packers defense um, and a better, more seasoned Packers offense as well. So... The difficulty is going to get ratcheted up. You got this win. You got the good juju going. You 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 broke the streaks. You got that winning record. Savor it. Cherish it, guys. But we got a lot of work to do. It's week one. It was hella ugly. Let's hope that week two can be a little bit less hella ugly, but still get that dub. And uh, obviously, we will have all the coverage. Uh, we got a new show coming for you guys that'll air on Tuesdays. It's going to be me and former defensive lineman Jordan Watkins, who's been on the show a bunch. Uh, we are going to be having a Tuesday show, which is, I think, going to be called Trench Talk. And it's going to be a trenches-focused show. So we'll have a lot to talk about on that one this week. That's for sure. That'll be coming out on Tuesday. We'll also, of course, have our Falcoholic Live show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, our game preview shows are up and running as well. Those will be uh, with opposing teams 
writers, podcasters, whoever I can corral to get on here. And those will be out on Fridays. And then, of course, we've got the post-game coverage for you guys coming. So lots of stuff to look forward to. Uh, lots to get to. It's just week one. Savor the dub, and we'll hope we can keep this positive train rolling all the way into the playoffs this year. But uh, I need it to be a little cleaner going forward, okay? Please, guys. Please. <laughs> but yeah, before we take off, I want to thank our co-hosts today. First of all, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, thank you once again for sticking around and uh, giving us those takes. Anything you'd like to plug before we sign off today? Um, yeah, I'm going to re-up my yearly article series of looking at the Falcons fantasy stud and dud, looking at, you know, one fantasy standout performer and one fantasy player on the Falcons who disappointed, you know, spoiler alert, it's going to be Drake London today. Um, and I almost did the, uh, the, the more projection for Drake London in that prize picks. It was 51 and a half. I was like, Oh, that seems a little bit harder. Let's go for the one and a half. Well, that, that's gonna that was, sink. that was that's high. Projection. Yeah. Those projections yeah. are going to sink moving forward. Make them um, even better. Yeah. <laughs> I got T. Higgins and Drake London, man. I don't Ooh. want to even look at my Ooh. team. Right yeah, it's going to be, okay. you're, you're going to get like 18 and a half over under odds on Drake London, like moving forward. <laughs> after. I'm go buy some bagels. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so yeah, that's, that's a series that, you know, that I started uh, years ago and that I'm really excited to be doing that weekly. Uh, for another season yeah absolutely check that out guys it's a fun series it's more fun when the fantasy players do well but you know unless you owned a falcons running back you're probably not super happy uh today so yeah now, uh, if also if you with, own you know, robinson i'm sure you're kind of annoyed on yeah i mean it's it's fine it's his first start you'll, you'll take it what is it what did he get like 12 um no i definitely am more than 12 yeah like if he if you get double digits in your first start ever that you're you're fine like i know people were expecting like nuts numbers but you got around relax. 20 today like, oh yeah let's like, mine what are you complaining yeah. about yeah 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 what are you no, complaining no, about I'm, then yeah <laughs> no they're, they're gonna complain about the opportunity cost they're gonna oh, say yeah. he got 20 he should have gotten 32 oh he got more than 20 points everybody needs to calm down all right like just relax Wait, how many but, receptions did he have do you know Anon? i think he had six um, yeah he had um six catches yeah Six six yeah, PPR six, king. He had six catches. In PPR, he had 20 in standard league, which is the superior scoring system. He had 14. <laughs> yeah, I'll take those. I'll take that PPR dub for sure in our in our Falcoholic League. Man, look, man, I feel like this year covering the Falcons, we're going to be at war with so many fantasy nerds between yeah, Drake yeah. London. It started last year. Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Yep. It started Wait. last year with Kyle Pitts. Like, you know, people are like, yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. But... Pick up Matt Collins and they're going to be, they're going to get like a donut one week. And they're gonna get mad at Matt <laughs> I'm not oh, saying yeah. pick up Matt Collins unless you need like a yeah. desperate flex play, but um, he's probably going to get you like five to six points. So like, if you need a desperate flex play, he's going to get you something, but um, yeah. yeah. Don't recommend if you need more than that. But yeah, mm-hmm. Alan Sturk guys, he's going to be with us every single week here on the post game show at Alan Sturk is his handle on Twitter. Alan, anything you'd like to let the people know about before we sign off? I'm probably going to write up the running game at some point because man, I, I, I got a weird thing because like, I've interviewed Tal Alger multiple times. I got a good relationship with him, but like, man, he was a standout in this game. So I feel like I got to write up the running game. And as long as things go well with NFL Plus, which is always uh, a little bit of a precarious thing to work with, I will try to bring some form of the Jiffer Group back. I promise people I'm going to try to do it more this year. 
So uh, I might, if as long as things work out, you'll see some film stuff at some point this week. Cool, cool. Great stuff there. All right, guys. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Like I said, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching. We really appreciate that. It really helps us out. Make sure to leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice if you're listening there. Uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Live. Check out the community Discord server. The link is in the show description. Today's show was brought to you by betonline.ag and Prize Picks. If you go there, guys, use our promo code DBB if you do decide to, to check out Prize Picks because that, that really helps us out. Let, let's them know that, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're pushing the promo code, right? So if you're going to do it, it helps us out. Thank you for that. But we'll be back. We'll be back soon, guys. We'll have uh, we'll be on our four show a week schedule going forward. So lots to look forward to. Uh, yeah, a week got, talking about a dub. You, yeah, they got you on that Aaron Freeman time right now. They four do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're we're crushing it uh, out here. Competition's so. good. Yep. Yeah. It's Friendly. iron sharpens iron. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, guys, thank you guys so much for enjoying this week one dub. We'll hope for a lot more this year. Uh, as we go into week two against the Packers. Uh, lots to look forward to, hopefully. Hopefully uh, no, no more bad things will ever happen to this team. That, that's my hope. But we all know that's, that's not going to be the case. So best of luck. Uh, enjoy your victory Monday. Enjoy your week, guys. We'll see you on Tuesday for the next show. Until then, guys, have a great night.